This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Cyril with Insider Perks, here as always with Kara Sismadia from the Canadian Camping and RV Council, representing my Calgary Flames here because Kara said I had to go put on my jersey. Super excited that they're in the second round of the playoffs. That was a really good game the other night. So, for all you people who are hockey fans and whose teams didn't advance, I apologize, but you're welcome to jump on our bandwagon for the rest of the season if you would like to. Joe's St. Louis Blues lost the other night. So, are you a hockey fan, Joe? Or? Just from St. Louis. Casual. I watch the playoffs, but not too much the season. Getting in the season and then playoffs. All right. We're excited to bring you another episode of MC Fireside Chats today. It's our regular campground owner-focused show. So we've got a couple uh, new-ish, but hopefully in the future, regular guests, Mr. Mike Harrison and Duncan Winship, who will briefly introduce themselves here in a second. And obviously, we have Joe from At My Community, who's been with us for several months in a row now. And then we've got a couple special guests here whose names I've been mispronouncing all morning. (laughs) Marcia. Is that right? Marcia. And Stacia, see, I just had to be live under the real like pressure of all the lights in my face and then I would get it right. Let's go around the room and just have everybody briefly introduce themselves and then we can take it from there into a conversation about what you guys are experiencing and what you're seeing uh, at this time of year and what you're focused on. Duncan, we can't hear you, Duncan. Let's try it now. There we go. All right. My name is Duncan Winship. I own uh, Papoose Pond Family Campground and Cabins in Waterford, Maine. It's a 180 site campground and we got 60 cabins. Awesome. Welcome, Duncan. Stacia? Hi, I'm Stacia Samuel and I own and operate Sundance Lodges in Kananaskis country in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. And we are the pioneers of comfort camping with trappers tents and canvas teepees. Awesome. Welcome. Marcia? Hello, Marcia Nice. My husband and I own Riverwalk RV Park on the Yadkin River, and we're located in Jonesville, North Carolina. And uh, we are a boutique park, 51 sites, all RV full hookup. Awesome. Welcome. Uh, Joe, you want to introduce yourself real quick for those who haven't seen you? Can't hear you either, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Comedy of errors. So I'm Joe Dumig. My wife and I own App My Community. We make mobile apps for RV parks, campgrounds, towns, mostly to engage with guests. Awesome. Thanks for being here with us. And then last but not least, Mr. Mike Harrison from CRR Lifestyle. Thanks. Hey, my name is not uh, Stacia. It's not Marcia. And it's not Mikea. It's Mike. I'm Mike Harrison with CRR. We own and operate uh, luxury upscale RV resorts, manufactured home neighborhoods, and car washes, RV storage, and hotels. And they're really focused on the uh, outdoor hospitality uh, industry. Awesome. Welcome. So I think I want to kick off this discussion, and we've got specific things for Marcia and Stacia who are going to talk about Stacia's specific properties. And Marcia won a really cool award that I'll let her tell you about in a little bit. We're just going to hold that off for a little bit and drive some suspense. Or maybe it was in the Facebook post, and, and everybody is not really tuning into that. But uh, I want to kick off this conversation with a, a very brief discussion about inflation. And 
the reason that I want to do this is because I feel like it's important and I normally don't talk about things that are related to marketing, as you all know, on the show and things like that. But it's a really big driver that we've seen across the United States and across Canada. And I think that a lot of owners need to be cognizant and aware that this is happening. And I want to briefly talk about it and then get your guys' feelings as park owners as to whether you've seen this or care if you've heard people comment on this through your work with the association with CCRBC. We are seeing a dramatic change in the behavior of consumers and their willingness to reserve as far in advance or even reserve at all right now. And we believe strongly that is tied to inflation. We don't think it's gas prices, like gas prices is obviously part of inflation. But as we all know, the camping industry is very resilient. And while people's behaviors might change, they might not travel 200, 400,000 miles to go camping. They're still going to go camping or glamping or whatever. So I don't think gas prices is an impact of this. But I think overall inflation is as it relates to you have to pay more for a tomato at the grocery store to absolutely everything that's happening. And so we are seeing a, a across the board, a large management groups, large ownership groups, individual family campgrounds in all states. Uh, and we work with over 300 different campgrounds at Insider Perks where there's a big softening that's happening in reservation numbers in May and June. And some of this is related to cancellations. July and August are holding steady for the most part, but they're not up like people I think expected. Um, and so we don't really have a lot of clarity on why this is happening yet, other than our best guess that it's inflation. We're waiting for kids to get out of school and see what happens. I am a firm believer that people are still going to go camping and glamping in massive numbers this year. I don't think it's going to be a 200 or 400 or 800% increase like 20 and 21 were. I think 2021 was probably our peak for a lot of people, but I think it's going to very much still continue to be extraordinarily busy. I think there's just going to be a change in behavior that people need to pay attention to and adjust their marketing efforts as a result. So owners, operators, are you guys seeing anything like this at your parks or anything that you are noticing as a difference maker or a trend changer? I'll take a stab at that. I'm Stacia with Sundance Lodges. And yes, as Brian just mentioned, 2021 was this huge peak. I think in 2020, we all sat back and wondered what was going on. And when our bookings opened for 2021, everyone made sure that they didn't miss out on the chance to do something. And uh, everyone booked early, more so than any time in history, I, I believe. And then I think now that we're moving forward, the world is opening back up. We've got issues like inflation happening. We are seeing a, a big change, exactly what Brian just said. And I was chatting about this last night with my family and we run the business together and some of it, we feel like people were going back to work and they're not maybe as flexible anymore. But I think that in general, inflation can be scary for people. And if their grocery bills are going up and different taxes are going up, it can have an, a big impact on that disposable income. But yeah, I mean, our July and August were super busy. And our weekends are full, but we're definitely seeing a change in behavior for that low season. A bit more, almost like a more of a pre-COVID behavior, but it's just, I guess, dramatic in the sense that Brian said, because you're seeing it right after a crazy 2021 year. Anybody else? Yeah, I would echo a, a fair amount of that. At least for us here in Maine, we are looking ahead of where we were last year. It's not like a 30% jump like it was coming out of 2020 and definitely compared to 2019, like a 3% type of growth. But I think we're going to see it slowly step down. It's going gonna, it's gonna to slow up 
from its peak of 2021. I think inflationary fear is really where you're getting the nail on the head. I have more concerns actually moving into next camping season for the New England area due to the price of heating oil. So heating oil is $657 a gallon versus three something it was six months ago. That can be a huge impact to budgetary concerns for families that they're, if they're going to go stay anywhere. Yeah, and I echo that. I think they're still going to go camping, but I think how far they drive, where they camp, how long they stay, how many trips they take is all going to change. And I think you'll still have the ability to have an excellent season if you're paying attention to those trends and willing to adjust and not overreact. But I think they're booking less far in advance. Yes. Because there's so many variables that are unknown. And, and so it's hard to know six months from now, can I afford to go on a camping trip? I'm going to wait until May to book my July trip and make sure I've got the dough in the bank. And I, I also think it's to Duncan's point, I think this is also regionalized, uh, depending on where you are, if you're in Florida or if you're in New England or if you're in Arizona, ELT start different things. And I think we're a, we're not a very hit the panic button kind of organization. And last week we had a pretty good pacing week and this week it died. However, we still have seen strong Q1 bookings, even in this week that died for the short term. Hot season is still booking similar trends and still exciting, but I think that short term, it's hard to say if it's inflation, right? Is it, we know Google went back to work, Intel went back to a lot of in-office in type people. It's hard to say if it's gas prices. It's hard to say this is the other COVID wave. It's also hard to say how much the hotel business is affecting the hotel business. The increase has been significant with weekend getaways. People are going back to hotels again. So there's a lot of factors that are co-junks with the same timing of these inflationary, I don't know why I air quoted, it's not air quote, inflationary pressures that may also be occurring. We are seeing it in our other industries though, too, is we have the manufactured home neighborhood and we are definitely seeing a slowdown. While it's a little bit different than tourism, it's still an indicator of the economy and what's happening with home purchasing in really the country's hottest market in Arizona. We have seen the pace stifle in the last two weeks, but that's specifically tied to interest rates, but also affordability and the economics of what's going on. So I think it's all those factors combined. I think it's keep the finger on the pulse. I think the care is quite the lead time. The booking window has definitely changed and we'll see if it's permanent, if it's a new condition, or if it's a short term, while people kind of work through the next two, three, four, five, six weeks until they get a little bit more confident. Uh, I think yeah. like the nail in the head for us, as far as it being somewhat regionally affected, I, I will say in North Carolina, we're, or, or just down through the Southeast, we're uh, big in camping and the industry's solid. As a matter of fact, we, my demo is 60 to 90 miles. And my, as far as what my business model's built on, it's built on weekenders. We're transient. My weekdays are icing on the cake, although we're up from last year with weekdays, but we opened in June of 2020. Last year was our full, first full season, this year being our going into our second full season, but quite the opposite for us. I'm actually, my head's about to pop. I'm working on our 2023 event schedule right now. We do a sit back and relax Saturday event every single Saturday, March through December. And it's not even Memorial Day and I'm being forced to put it out because we're booking into 2023. We have a handful of sites left for weekends for March through December of this year. 
And as soon as I get a cancellation, I posted at eight o'clock in the evenings on Facebook. We may have two or three a day. We still get the crazed uh, cancellations, whether it be COVID or those things going on, a change of uh, sports schedules. But as soon as I posted on Facebook, the cancellations booked within three to five minutes. So and we haven't felt or seen anything as far as inflation, but we're also still full speed ahead. I haven't changed anything with our marketing, still planning events, and um, just very hands-on with our guests as far as keeping and building those relationships. Well, I think what I'll add to that is you're right. Like, it's very case-by-case. Case. I think, again, just to hammer this point home, I don't think people are going to stop camping or glamping or staying at places like you all own and operate. Just because the behavior is changing doesn't mean that's going to stop. I think that it's very location specific for one, like you're talking about regions. I think that we are seeing parks that are very close to huge cities are still fine. And nobody, again, nobody's like tanking here. There's nothing that we should be panicking about. Uh, there is just a change in behavior that I want people to pay attention to, especially as we deal with inflation and the economy and things like that. But it's very regional specific. If you're in a tourism destination, I think for the most part, people are fine, like a Pigeon Forge or a branch and things like that. I think there's still plenty of people coming to those areas. Um, but it's just something to, yeah, and I think maybe some of it has to do, Marcia, with the fact that you're new, too. It depends on, have you bought a park or developed a park that's brand new and has never had business before? Then there's a lot more business to attract than people who have been there for 20 years and who are more stable. You have well, a lot of, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, I would argue that having your events calendar and all that fun stuff to do puts you up higher on the list for the families and things like that. If they're going to make the trip, then arguably a park that's not operate those things or doesn't have their event calendar of year. Yeah. You, you have to be doing that marketing. And, and that's, it shocked me to a certain extent, the amount of calls we're getting for marketing, because traditionally it's five people will call a month and want marketing services. It's 20 or 25 now. And so I know people are seeing this trend and they're worried and they don't need to be, but yeah, the more you can set your part self apart from your competition with events or photos or a better website or better customer service or whatever it may be you'll succeed. Well, and candidly, we're in the process of developing several more resorts across the country. And one of the things that we're confident that a recession of some kind is coming, right? Whether it's one year or two year or three years, it's impossible to not see the peak and everything that's going and what happened in Venezuela and all those things that are going on, something like that is going to occur. However, what we believe is the camping and outdoor hospitality industry this may be an unintended benefit to our industry, just like COVID was, because instead of taking your week vacation to Cancun, or people are going to be looking to maximize their dollars and the camping outdoor hospitality is exactly that right opportunity to do so. Even if last when this happens, I think our industry is poised to, to really thrive again in this type of, of circumstance. I think we just got to get through the three, four, six weeks of uncertainty of what's going to happen, but I, I believe we're set up for success. I a hundred percent agree. They're just waiting. That's why I don't, that's why I'm counseling clients to not overreact. They're, it's all uncertain right now and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And if they end up canceling that Cancun trip or not going on it, then they're going to redirect that money to camping or some, or glamping or something close by. So that's why I keep, yeah, I, I don't want this to come across as this is doom and gloom. It's not at all. This is still great for our industry. We just have to be paying attention to the, to what's happening and not overreact to it. Market to make correctly. I'm at, I'm at Calgary trip, not Cancun trip. My best. No, nobody's yeah. canceling the Calgary trip. Have you been here, Mike? Uh, I like, have never been to Calgary. We city and mountains and lakes and like nobody. And we have the flames too. 
So I'm an American. I've been to Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, right? That's my extent of Canada. We'll come up, Mike. We'll take you. Yeah. You can we'll take me you to come for camping. Yeah. No, I'd love to come for camp. I yeah. mountain bike. I love the inside. All right. What else are we seeing out there? Ryan, I know you just joined the call there from uh, Petoskey Jellystone in Michigan now. <laughs> yeah. Jellystone Park Petoskey as of 12 days ago. So congratulations, sir. You guys see, you see anything you want to contribute to the discussion or should we move on and talk about other things or? You know what? I, no, I don't. I, you guys are doing great. I, this is our Canadian weekend coming up. So it's the, what long, the Canadian weekend, which obviously the borders pretty difficult to get across or something right now, because we've seen pretty aggressive dip this month, which is we're okay with, cause we're knee deep in three phases of construction and adding. 30 vacation rentals. So it gives us an extra couple of weeks to get prepared for the season, but I don't know that it's that difficult to get across right now. I drove across, I was over in Toronto and drove down Niagara Falls and across the Buffalo. It seemed, it was pretty easy. Like you have to be vaccinated, I think, to come into the state still, but there's no testing. Let that I know. know. Let that, yeah. Slow weekend probably because it's been canceled for so many years in the past, last two years, I think it's pretty much been done. And so people, I think it's going to take a while for them to spin back around and get back into coming across the border. And I think, yeah, times are different and I'm definitely just changing from a KOA to a Jellystone. A different audience, activity. yeah. Yeah, your activity schedule and people are coming for the bears. And I think it's going to take a couple of years to change the personality of the park because there's a huge difference between a Jellystone and a KOA, so. Yeah, the activities program alone is quite an undertaking at the Jellystone levels. Every hour on the hour, it's something that we've done for years and years here in our park and it is exhausting in a word. It, it, it adds a lot. It adds a lot of extra work, a lot of extra nuance, a lot of uh, hiccups, heartburn. Um, it adds to a lot of guest satisfaction that they love. They love all the things that you do and you find that one event that works perfectly for your event and you end up launching it, you know, two or three times a week or a month or whenever. And really does a good job of setting you apart, but from an operation standpoint, it can be filled with headaches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what else do you guys see? Well, yeah, go I ahead. I was going to mention, I was going to conversation we had in regards to inflation is from the other side, you know, it seems like the past, past couple of years, demand has driven price increases in the campground industry. Now, are we seeing a lot of rising of labor prices and goods that are going to keep that trend moving that direction? Or is it catching up and coming out of profit? Like, how's that looking? Because if inflation's an issue, or is the pr price is going to keep inflating as well? I think that the owners here could probably speak more to that than I could, but I don't think that our, I think the people were coming from such a low place from camping rates compared to other means of travel, hotels and stuff, there's a lot of room to grow and there's still some room in there between, I think we're still cheaper in most cases than a hotel room would be. So people looking to go yeah, on vacation, I think, yeah. The price difference between us and the hotel down the road is astronomical. They're completely different products and that's great, but I think it shows how a hotel's price is more, way more flexible, right? They've got varying rates depending on supply and demand and the day. We've always had either a low season or a high season, and we've got room to grow for sure. We increased a little bit this year just based on your normal annual increase. But what we've noticed is that increase probably wasn't enough just with the cost of labor going up substantially. Alberta is in a huge shortage for hospitality workers, and it hurts. And I think as 
businesses learned about the shortage of staff, we thought, oh, I guess we got to increase labor wages to try to attract them. There just hasn't been anyone to attract. So I know Banff is having a hard time with staff. Anyhow, yes, labor is up, prices are up. Thankfully, I think there's room to grow and we're not um, hitting the ceiling. We're far from it. Does it motivate yeah. you to do like dynamic pricing and do like midweek discounts? It, that's a really good question. We've got, we do have a midweek special on right now for midweek. We have never looked into the dynamic pricing too deeply. I'd love to hear if anyone else does it. I don't know if it would work for us, but we're always willing to understand new concepts and see if it might work. But does anyone else do dynamic? Yeah, we do. I think um, I, I came from the hotel industry, from the hospitality industry. You know, I was with them for 25 years. And one of the things I noticed when I got to the outdoor hospitality RV campground industry is revenue management was deficient. And so the, you know, most effective technique that, you know, most of these PMSs have is dynamic pricing. It's not quite, it's not quite, it's not nearly at the level the hotel systems have, which have algorithms and change pricing hourly, minute by minute. But dynamic pricing is a significant, especially if you're a busy park, it really only works if you are driving occupancy, but it is a significant way to drive your ADR based on demand. And it works quite well. So you can set it based on different parameters at different occupancy levels, what percentage are you going to go up? And for sure, you're leaving money on the table if you're not using it. And obviously, as you drive your ADR, if you're not paying franchise fees or credit card fees, et cetera, et cetera, it's really going to be 90% incremental profit on the ADR that you drive. So it's a significant win to, to use the dynamic pricing. Yeah. And you don't have to do it across the board. You can pick your favorite site. You can pick your favorite cabin style or premium pulled through with patios and hot tubs and saunas and whatever amenity you you have on it right hold now. on you have do you have a site that actually has hot tubs and saunas because i'm coming yeah, right now I mean, the, the, the next campsite we have is like a full hookup with a private kitchen and bathroom on it okay so that's what we have is so you have a private bathroom then you have an outdoor kitchen that kind of thing but that's a very popular uh site with tenters and pom-poms yeah and or we have lakefront beachfront kind of sites pick one that works really well for you and and try a a um yielding model just on a certain number of site types you don't have to do it in the whole park if it intimidates you or if it makes you nervous or you don't or you're afraid you're going to break what's worked for you in the past you can definitely pick something that really has a high demand and experiment. We can go down the revenue management doom hole if you want. I heard you say we're only pricing really season and off season, peak and non-peak. And that's one of the things when we started getting into this industry that we heard is you can only change rates once a year in the RV industry. And we're like, well, why? In the hotel business, you change it a monthly, weekly. And so we instituted that a few years ago. And there was some pushback. If we look at our competitive set, it's still that way. They price basically season, non-season, and we're pricing because you've got peak season, you got shoulder season, you got off season, yeah. and that's the philosophy that we, and then if you want to really pump your muscles out, you use your dynamic pricing in that regard too, and you can change your dynamic pricing off 25% increase in peak season and maybe 15% in off season and really do that. Or even we take only a third, we've capped our seasonal the longer term stays and our peak season. And we say, we're only taking this many base and we'll take this much in transient. And then you use your dynamic pricing to enhance the amount of transient you're taking. And everything is incremental to drive that. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. Maybe I'll send you an email later. <laughs> sure. Bring it. <laughs>
in exchange for a comfort camping site when you come yes. to Pasadena. Mike, I think it's a great point. And I think as, I mean, camping, when we, I was a lot younger than I am now when we started. And frankly, it was um, a different generation running the place. But camping has changed so much. And now you have this middle ground that is, it's not just tent camping. And so there's this middle area that is bringing in those hotel-like attributes, whether it's pricing or amenities, activities. And so I think it, it, the industry as a whole has this opportunity to bridge that gap and not just be a separate camping industry that's so far from hotels. And that's what the consumer is expecting too. As you look at the demographic change and the amount of first-time campers, campers with families, the age of campers, it, our vision statement is to evolve the industry to the modern world because we saw you know, an opportunity that the industry was a bit antiquated. And as you see some of these other companies, Northgate or AutoCamp or Under Canvas, a lot of them have roots in hospitality because that's what the consumer is expecting too, right? They're not just expecting to go and plop their tent down or hook up to a, you know, 30 amp plug, right? They want amenities. They want experience. They want to drive something that's a little bit, you know, more different. And so some of those hospitality hallmarks, I think you're going to continue to see more and more as more developers come in. I think we're a little different in the sense, as crazy as it may sound, I actually was an, a national executive for CampSpot for a while and consulted other managers and owners on the software and dynamic price. But being mom and pops, I just haven't got to, I haven't gotten to the comfort level of taking on dynamic pricing myself. I think customer experience was said and for me, at the end of the day, we're more about the customer experience. I'm on responding to every review on Facebook. Our campers have created a forum with over 3,000 other campers. It's nothing but positivity there. And I'm in the forums every night scanning through to see what others are doing that we're not doing to find that make sure we're doing everything right. And although when I was consulting those that were in the corporations that weren't as hands-on in the day-to-day -day with the guests, it was a lot easier to push that because at the end of the day, it was a number thing to where us being as intimate, I greet every single guest that comes into our park with a welcome packet. I know most of my name, I send them flowers when their families, members have passed. It's a little harder for me to take that step because it's more of an emotional thing than a financial thing. And I think that's, again, where every park may differ. You have to know your audience. And Marcia, it sounds like your audience very well. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would, and if Casey were on the call, he, this is not a paid endorsement. And I certainly don't want to push you into a decision you don't want to make. Customer service is the most important thing to us as well, reputation management. Marcia, I'd love to talk to you offline about dynamic pricing. And it's not difficult because you're, you are for sure leaving money on the table and can still have that customer experience. And it's not as hard as you think it is. It is completely automated. And CampSpot, we had them do an analysis for us on their grid optimization, mm -hmm. on the marketplace, and on the dynamic pricing of how much incremental revenue that drove for us. And it was worth more than a quarter million dollars. I know we're it's different for everybody, but I, yeah. I just, it's a great opportunity. And like, well, Casey and I are really good friends. So if he were on the call, he'd probably still be coaching <laughs> me the fact that I need to do it. Like I said, I have no problem. I've sold the software to many other owners and managers. I've sat through many demos with them and I understand and I'm able to sell it, but personally, it's just not where I want to be right now. Although there's so many, I would say 95% of the situations as you're explaining, it, it is, and it makes sense. We're dealing with that same. So we went from family owned KOA to very corporate uh, America. This will be our first year with dynamic pricing. 
and site optimization. And so, uh, Marcy, I know exactly where you're at because I knew every guest, they get the same site every year and that's, you know, where they're going to be and like, I'll, I'll be over for brats later. And it'll be interesting to see how this year goes with dynamic pricing. And cause everyone talks, especially at your park, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. everyone's best friends and they're going to be We're on a forum. <laughs> yeah. And, and when they come in, oh man, I got a great deal this year. And the neighbor's like, really? Cause I paid $40 more than I did last year and yeah. it's hard and it's, so I understand what exactly where you're at. I also get dynamic pricing also where it's, we're busy already. And so, yeah, I, I understand both ways. And actually Stacy, what reservation system are you using? Out of curiosity. On, we actually use cloud beds. It's, have you ever heard of cloud beds? No. So it was originally developed. Oh, I, I want to say four years ago in the hostel industry. And it's clouds, everything's based in the cloud. I love it. It works well. We've got the variety of site types and the booking engine looks pretty straightforward from the customer view, like any other booking engine. But we had a hard time with reservation systems because we only went online in 2018. We were doing everything by a hand ledger up until then. And we were looking for a customized system that wasn't just RVs because of our trappers tents. How we ended up with cloud beds is it was very customizable, but I do think there's, there is the opportunity for dynamic pricing. So yeah, that's something that could be really interesting to look at. That's cool. Yeah, I think you'll hear one of the common refrains that Karen and I will discuss as we talk about all kinds of different topics is that every park is different, every owner is different, every goal is different, every location is different. And so do whatever makes you happy. We just yeah. make sure that you have both sides of have all the information to make an informed decision, whichever way you go. Well, and I think we also talk about how the market's always going to dictate. If your parks are full, you're doing some right. And I think as long as you're on top, paying attention to what those things look like for you, if things start to shift, you need to be adaptable and all of that. But yeah, those really personal connected relationships with your guests are really valuable. Hard to put dollar value there. I, I can 100% relate with that. The only thing I would change is the number of weekends we have in the summer because summers are too short. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> we live in the wrong part of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, Marcia, why don't you tell us about uh, your award that you've recently won from Campendium? Because I think it's really cool. Okay. It's interesting because my husband, he, his background, he's a professional athlete, not hockey. And uh, he's used to shiny, pretty things whenever he does stuff well. And uh, he built our park himself. We built our park ourselves over a two-year period while I held down a corporate career. He did all the grading and everything. And uh, all the way down to recently being able to plant flowers. And he always says, do you think we can ever win an award? Do you think we'd ever win an award? And I was like, we're a 51 site park that we don't get awards. That's the big corporations. And so I kept bursting his bubble, not even knowing. And we got off the um, flight a couple months ago and I um, was just checking my emails and I get an email from them and says that we won the 2021 Campers Choice Award, best place, best place to camp in North Carolina. And I wasn't sure if it, thanks, thank you. I wasn't sure if it was spam or somebody want me to purchase something. <laughs> or I didn't know how to take it. I sent it to uh, Mark, who we um, partner with on our some of our website stuff. And he's, wow, this is amazing and it's totally legit. So then I started crying, <laughs> lost a contact, and I had to hand the phone to my husband because I couldn't even tell him that we'd won the award because I was so emotional of how excited he was going to be. 
And and he was. Apparently, it was based on reviews. Again, we're talking about building those relationships. And whenever our guests check out, there's six different different review sites that I'll give them the opportunity if they want to leave their experience. And this one wasn't even on our radar. So it has been added. We hope to win again next year, as long as they're all feeling the same way. But it was it was quite the honor. We have a beautiful trophy in our office, and we're now an award winning park, and it's surreal. <laughs> So great. It's amazing. That's Congratulations. Great. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Acknowledgement is so valuable. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an awesome experience for your, for you as owners to win awards. And I think it's it's very valuable for people like Campendium and and all, I don't know who else gives awards. KOA does their parks. Chelly sent us their parks. I think Camp Spot had. Campspot had some awards. They started this year. Arvik National has theirs. Uh, CCRVC has theirs. But just the ability to recognize owners and the hard work that you guys do, it's a, it's a multifaceted purpose. And maybe I'm not, maybe Kara, you should talk about this from a campground owner perspective, but just from the ability to have that recognition, like uh, it impacts you a lot, just like it did Marcia. Yeah, I think it's incredibly, it can be an incredibly thankless job sometimes. When, especially in the thick of a season, if you're a, an on-site operator, like I was, we were in Roman Pop Park too. You're dealing with toilet problems and then fixing something in the mini golf. Like you're constantly running and dealing with stuff and managing relationships and so many things. And so I think, and we do it because we, we enjoy it, but the recognition for it is, it's invaluable, I think, especially in that dynamic where you own your own business and, and you're handing out recognition to your staff and the people that help you along the way, but there's nobody, not always somebody there, um, giving it to you. And obviously a word like that are for the group, but yeah, it's, it's wonderful to have the ability to recognize parks that, that go above and beyond and show up for their guests. We, we didn't win a customer, um, award, but we were featured in National Geographic and we're in their latest, what is it? Latest. It's called the, um. National Geographic's 50 states, 500 campgrounds, and there's about oh, cool. a dozen Canadian uh, spots, and we were featured, so that was pretty exciting. So then I went and ordered the book off of Indigo so I could see it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's but, awesome. But yeah, things like that, you're like, yay, yeah. someone's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I'm not doing all this thankless stuff for nothing. <laughs> but I think it also speaks to Marcia, you got that award, but you had to, you worked incredibly hard for that and the, not just your customer service, but making sure the reviews were captured. And so it just speaks back to marketing and websites and how important all that stuff is. Well, let's pivot to that. Let's pivot to that. I'm sorry, Marcia, Marcia are you saying something? Nope. I was just agreeing. Okay. I was just going to say, let's pivot to that for a second and talk about marketing because now you're award winners, right? You've been featured in National Geographic. I know, Mike, you've won some awards. I know, Ryan, I'm sure you've won at least some KOA awards from Petoskey for all those years and the good things you've done up there. I'm sure, Duncan, you've probably won some awards that maybe I just don't know about, but I know you're all over and you run a great park. So, Joe, I don't know if you can win awards, but we should probably have some kind of a best campground app at some point, community, but our <laughs> thing. But talk about how this impacts your marketing, right? As owners, obviously it, it's good to have the recognition as we've just talked about, it's great to have the recognition, but then how do you flip that into a, now I'm an award winner. Here's why you should stay with me. And here's why I'm better. Or here's why, how do you use that to your advantage? For me, I, I immediately uh, connected everything to our website. They provided us with a logo, it said 2021 Campus Choice Award. 
We put it on every page that's viewed on our website, um, which was big for us. Even though we're a small park, we get over 65,000 hits a month through Google. And so I'm constantly finding ways to drive traffic. I then turned to Facebook and I do a lot of um, promotions on Facebook, paid sponsorship promotions. And I did four different campaigns with different photos and different ways to present. We're an award-winning park, whether it was our weekday special or event that we had coming up, of course, and then just posted on Facebook as well. The uh, press release that came out with it, we were on uh, Fox 8 News this past weekend, which hasn't aired yet, but that's a local big news station. We're excited about that. Local newspaper um, did a press release as well. So every single one of these things continued to give me the opportunity or, or to continuously keep it fresh um, and top of mind as, as I'm doing, going through all my different campaigns that I go through. I want you to mention was that you didn't have a, a email marketing campaign derived out of it. Oh yeah. I have over 5,000 and again, we're mom and pop, but I have over 5,000 contacts in my MailChimp. So definitely MailChimp was a big part of that. Sorry. I'm just spitballing. I don't have notes for it. <laughs> My background is marketing, sales, customer service. So that part just, I could must somehow. It's one of the field fundamentals that, that come out of it. I, I just was making sure that everyone who has any kind of captured guest data in any yep. way, shape or form, that should be your first line because it's something yes. that you can write well in advance, set it to go. And then that way, when, unfortunately you do have some operational headache, it's something that's still happening in the background. It's not something you have to micro from a day-to-day -day or weekly standpoint. It's something you maybe have to spend 15, 20 minutes on once a month or an hour for the next three months. Yep. I actually create a different campaign, not always just selling the park, sometimes just positioning ourselves, being informative something about the area, but I do have a different campaign every single week that goes out through MailChimp of a different topic. And Duncan, to that, uh, we stayed at 25 parks last year and we get emails from two of them. We get emails from four of them. Two of them go to spam, two of them I actually get in my inbox. That's, that's, it's a surprisingly low number and most of these are results overnight. That's nice and then out of four. You'll have to come visit us because I definitely will email you. <laughs> I'll probably get on your list anyway. For anybody who doesn't get enough email, go yeah. stay with Marcia. Just go to my website and uh, subscribe to the newsletter and you can see all of it coming out. <laughs> so how else, Ryan, uh, Mike, I know you guys have won some awards. How has that impacted or changed what you guys did? If it's just immediately after or long term or how does that impact you guys? Yeah. So I'll talk shortly here. I've run a few different types of properties, different, both KOA, Sun Outdoors, Carolina Pines, Cottle Robles, some parks that are 1200 sites, some parks that are 200 sites and, and stuff like that. And there's always a healthy balance. I feel like the first park I won, I always watched the reviews and always watched, wanted to get their awards. And I remember that because it was a family owned, I think my grandpa owned it. And it was one of those, it was incredible. Like you get the awards, like I did that. Like that was super fun. And now working for more of a corporation, you learn to manage reviews instead of let them run your life. Cause not everyone will ever be completely 100% happy with how you guys have decided to run the property. And for some reason, the good reviews, I never remember, but the bad ones sit on my brain for the rest of the night, the rest of the week, the rest of the month. It's you psychology. Like it. It's psychology. 
And if there's ever a time where you're like, oh, they're right. And then you want to walk outside and you're, I already have 907 things to do during the day and then staffing, but I'm out there with a rake cleaning the horseshoe pits because that review was about, and it's like, man, what am I doing? But you kind of got to be careful because the bigger the property, the more people that are watching your Facebook and you post that award, look what we did. And oh man, they just can't wait for that opportunity to say, oh, we were there. Here's photos of my site. And, but I, what we would do with our awards as the KOA Petoskey, we never missed a founders. We never missed a president's. We had the perfect score. It was the most beautiful. I love that. I love this property. But we would send out a, uh, a newsletter and um, we would also do monthly updates. We were trying to create an app and Joe, man, you would have been helpful to have way back when, but I wanted to create an app that people, because you write emails are, everybody gets 9,000 emails a day. And as soon as you see something from the spam of Toski KOA, yeah, click that off, get out of here. But the people who actually care about it, like it'd be awesome if they could subscribe to like a push notification on an app. And actually Jellystone now has it. My, I'm still learning the term, so I don't know any of this. It's like a campground dashboard app where I can actually push notifications for activities or, hey, we won this award. Check this out. Come test this out. As we're updating, we just put, you know, a water park in and 30 vacation rentals and all this stuff that if you send that in an email, you're going to get like a 17% click rate versus the people who actually care and want to know and wow, that you got rooftop cabins now. Like how cool is that to be able to push that to those guests and say, this is what we're doing. Like it's a huge construction zone. I have a dozer driving up the main driveway right now. And, but to the people who are staying here and loyal to this park. They're loving this because it's, ah, it's so cool. So I kind of stem more from, I used to be big into constant contact and email blast and all that stuff. And then I realized my clickbait, it was so bad that, okay, how do I, you know, market to people who actually are going to open this and be interested. And I don't think constant contact is always bad and send out the mass mailer and you'll get people who don't know about this app. But I think I've focused a lot more of my energy on that side of it, especially as this part continues to grow. I just don't have a ton of time for marketing anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. That's what we always advise is in their off season to send out notifications to about what they've done in the off season. You can send out a push notification in February and everyone's going to get it. It's not the people that it doesn't go to spam. They've already subscribed. They've opted in and they get a notification showing the new playground that you added this off season. You do it early enough that it's before you're booked up, you pull some reservations forward, you get them thinking about camping earlier in the season. And so that's exactly what we uh, advise our guests to do, our customers to. And you can build yeah. them out in advance, just like email campaigns too. Sorry, Mike, but yeah, you can build these out in advance, like email campaigns and schedule them mm -hmm. through, I think Jellystone, does Jellystone still use Tatango? Is that what they use, Ryan, or is it something else? No, it's um, Camper's app is now what it's called. Oh, okay. For the app. Yeah. I, I remember they were using like just a regular texting thing years and years ago. Yeah. It got better. It, it, I think just switched over to, um, it's really cool. I think it's actually developed by KOA and it was a pretty cool app. Unfortunately, we changed before I got to play with it, but it, it looked like it was going to be pretty awesome. Cool. Yeah. But go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Sure. No, I was going to say, I think everybody's right. I think Marcia and the email campaign is super important. I think the push notification, I, I think you have to understand who your, what channel is going to touch what demographic you're marketing to. And since the demographics are so diverse, our 60 plus guest is never going to go on our tick snip. Our millennial is never going to see our Facebook ad. Not our millennial, our, our, our Gen Z, or excuse me, is never going to see our, our Facebook ad. So we try and leverage and market as much as we can. 
because what we do find is that it becomes a flywheel concept where the more you're engaging and, and getting the word out there, whatever it may be, whether it's a press release like Marcia mentioned, or whether it's on LinkedIn, once your posts continue to get shared and shared, it helps your SEO, it helps algorithmically just everything that you do. And we look at it as we're marketing to several audiences. For sure, one is our guest, and that's you know what we try and do mainly because without marketing, without revenue, you die. But we're also marketing to our associates and we're marketing to community and we're marketing to our owners. People mentioned they can't find staff. So everything we do, we have in mind, what does this look like to a prospective employee? Is it interesting? Is it exciting? Can we drive our LinkedIn profile and, and engagement? If we're looking for additional equity partners, what does our skin look like? And et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, I think it's whatever channel you use, just understand what, you know, where you're targeting and we track. As Brian knows, we track everything. <laughs> We're data, da data nerds. I think those are all good points. No question. Yeah. Just... Diversity. Oh, do we have ability. Oh. Do we have anything else that's on uh, your guys' mind as campground owners? I'm sorry, Kara. It was just a delay there. I wasn't trying to talk over you. Anything else that's on your guys' minds this time of year? It's May coming into the summer season. What are we thinking about? What's on campground owners' minds right now? The fun you're going to have for the next four months until you're ready to go back to winter? <laughs> I think it's going to be a really exciting time. I, I think that we're going to capture a lot of the new campers are going to come back and, and be veteran campers moving forward. And it's really just across the board, a exciting time to be involved in this industry. Just the number of vendors that are coming in the space to, to make my job easier to the amount of guests and the, um, excitement that they bring, it, it's going to be a, a thrilling time moving forward. Yeah, I agree. The, only, the one thing that I think about is the weather. Is it going to be a wet summer, a dry summer? And if we can get through this May long weekend without any snow, we're all good. <laughs> no, I don't, it's going to happen. <laughs> if I can get through this May long weekend, then it's less than a hundred degrees. I'll be happy. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> yeah. and I the, these are the regional problems we were talking about earlier, Mike. <laughs> can I ask a minutia question? I know we were talking macro, but maybe to go down a little bit micro, I was listening to both Marcia and, and Duncan and even Ryan about activities and how important, you know, those are to each park. And we've got a pretty good activity schedule built out, but one of the things that we're looking out at, and I'm more asking your opinions and what you do is how much of your activities are included amenity based activities and how many of them are revenue drive revenue generating activities. And how do you find the balance? You know, that's something we're looking at all of our resorts is how much are we including versus what are we doing for ticket price or an activity fee? So. Uh, if anybody wants to, to weigh in there, I'd love to hear what you're doing. I'll start. I, I, ours may be a little different as far as our model because we are mom and pops and we have 51 sites. My events are activity driving because, as I said um, from the beginning of the call, we only have a couple weekends this entire year that we're not booked and they're going daily. So I'm already working on next year. As far as our events, the way that they're positioned, it's every Saturday. So when we're talking about our guests and the excitement, I can't wait to be in the park. Every Thursday through Sunday, we stay at the park. And then I'm here remote with my dogs three days a week at home, just separating and doing all the behind the scenes stuff. But 
we have, uh, and this is all the things I'm going through now for next year planning, but I have 16 live music events and I use everything I do as local to bring back into the community. We have a 40 by 30 pavilion that we built in the off season in case it is raining. We now have a backup plan. I have karaoke themed events, whether it be 80s, 70s. We just had World West weekend last weekend, which was a lot of fun. I have a food truck, a dessert truck, and we have a bar on site for every Saturday. The bar is a local bar that came to the park last year a couple of times and did so well. We built a bar for them and they send a bartender every Saturday. They set up the kegerator. So every single weekend we're playing cornhole, we're playing bingo. I have an axe throwing competition. The guy that we're partnered with for axe throwing actually had a brick and mortar and he was doing so well at our park on Saturdays. He sold a brick and mortar and bought two mobile trailers. So not only is it for our guests, it's selfishly for me as I'm planning right now, what do I want to do this Saturday? That's my day to hang out with the guests and have fun. After all, six other days, I'm head down and going. And our event schedule is on our Facebook page as well as our website. If you wanted to check out just some of the things that we're doing. But to me, I feel they're all revenue driving or I wouldn't be putting this much um, uh, energy behind them. And I take those events, the themed events are typically, because this is our se second full season, themed events are the same time each year. So they're already booking next year's. As soon as they leave, like Wild West was last weekend, as soon as the guests left, I said, here's what it's going to be next year. And they're already booking next year for Wild West because they had so much fun. So I can continue to drive that revenue stream based on what the event is, if that's helpful. Oh, and three times a year, we do a vendor pop-up market where I invite all the local vendors. I don't charge a fee to any of my vendors. We don't charge a fee to, and it's going to go back to that dynamic pricing thing. Oh my God, how are you not collecting this money from your vendors? But at the end of the day, that's what we're there for is the relationships and to see other people succeed as well. And it's not always about us. We got bills to pay for sure. But 50, my first 50 years was in the corporate world with the head down and not being present. And my next 50 is going to be focused on our guests and, and the events is a big part of that. Hey, Mike, who do you work for? Uh, CRR. Okay. So 3070 is what we do. And it all depends on dynamic pricing. I have found that a majority of my paid events, I do a lot in the off season. So when dynamic pricing is low and the guest is getting a good deal, I will do more paid events like wine tours off. So I'll do more high dollar wine and cheese or stuff where I can get trolleys and stuff in during season when I'm charging $140 for a, you know, water and electric backing site, I need to make the value to the guest by doing a more free events. And it, now with Yogi Bear, I think that's probably going to change quite a bit, but that was my ratio for KOA was 30, 70. And then it swapped back 70, 30 during peak and non-peak where I offered every you tie dye is easy and simple stuff like that, where it's $10, you get a shirt out of the heel. Come on, it's cool. And kids like it, but. If you do only, we found if you only do paid activities, they're like, why did I pay so much to be here? And then you're going to nickel and dime my kids while I'm here. Um, like, oh man, you're going to hang out or play gaga ball, then we're going to do basketball tournament, we're gonna do bike race. And then at the end of the night, you don't have to, but we're going to do tie dye. And then we're going to have a free movie come out to that. So it was 70% free during the summer and then 30% paid so that if you wanted to, you wanted to spend the money. We, we just got a mind sluice and. Uh, a bunch of other stuff that to add to some of the paid activities, but it is real important if you are going to charge that high dollar amount that I offer something for their, make it worth them coming there versus $40 at the state park. Yeah. I appreciate that perspective. That's how we look at it too, is we're an all-inclusive resort. 
And so we started out a hundred percent, but then obviously if you couldn't tell, we're, we're a little money hungry also. And we said, there's an opportunity to, to drive some revenue. And so we do a lot of those things. We do a slow roll, we dress up your bike and we do a lot of things that you described that are free, but we started to dive more into, and I, interestingly enough, you mentioned tie-dye. I'm embarrassed to say how much money we make a year in tie-dye, but it's like the favorite paid activity that isn't free. But then we do obviously arts and crafts for kids and it's all inclusive. So we try and find that balance. If they're paying a hundred bucks a night, what are they getting in an all-inclusive resort plus is pay? But I also love Martia's because it's a smaller resort, but you're still, you know, look at all, you're probably making so much money with those events that you described that I'd be jealous. I love the perspective as we figure out we're building a resort in Coachella that has an 18 hole, you know, PGA level putting course on it. It's also got four lakes and an amphitheater and the stage for concerts right by Coachella. And we're diving into how much of this is going to be outside versus inside and how much is going to be included versus free. We're already dealing with that at our other properties, but it's just interesting to hear the different approaches and really i love the ideas too that, that you guys are sharing so thank you thank you all right we're a little bit over here anybody have any closing final thoughts i do but it's going to take at least an hour to talk about my last topic oh, my, my battery is getting really low ryan so <laughs> we'll want to interrupt this and have to go get my charger ryan will be back with us hopefully next month so ryan save that table it we'll talk to it we'll talk about it next month but really appreciate you guys being here again arcia for joining us uh, congratulations on your award again really impressive but hopefully i'll make it down to your campground at some point just to stay there obviously only during the week because that's all that's available but i'll try to be there <laughs> i might know some other guy all right we'll see and then stacia really appreciate you joining us uh, from sundance lodges i'm sorry we didn't get a chance to talk more about your property that's fine let's do a lot there yeah come on out all right we'll do it uh, then we'll get a chance to highlight you. And then Mike, Ryan, Duncan, I think Duncan's off camera now, but I appreciate you guys joining us as always. We'll see you hopefully again next month on our show again. And as a reminder for all of you who have caught us or uh, our previous episodes will be available on mcfiresidechats.com as a podcast on Google, Apple, and all those kinds of places. And we will see you next week for our RV industry outdoor rec focused show. So thank you guys. appreciate you joining us. And take Thanks care. For having thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.